Hi, this is Chris Heaton with Standing Before the Mass podcast. This is my second episode of the second season, and the guest is Fred Roy. Fred is an avid Hereshoff S-boat owner and enthusiast. He is actively involved with the organization. Uh, They are celebrating their 100th anniversary of the boat next year, 1919 to 2019. They have lots of activities planned, regattas. We get into all of that. Uh, He talks about the restoration of his own boat, as well as uh, some projects other people are engaged in. Uh, We talk about some famous Americans who've owned this boat. Um, And if you're into wood boats and old things and restoration projects, this is probably your kind of podcast because he really delves into some of the nitty-gritty of what it's like to be involved with this type of boat. It really is a, a, a project of passion. Um, we talk about some great sailors who got their starts on the S-Boat, and uh, it's, a, it's a great chat. They have a very active Instagram account, and um, you can find them at Harishoff underscore S underscore class on Instagram, and I guess that's the primary way they'll be sharing a lot of their information. But we uh, sat down and had a nice talk, and I hope you enjoy. Hey, Fred, thanks for taking the time to meet with me. Yeah, no problem. It was, uh, um, it's my pleasure. I'm here with Fred Roy. Tell us about your involvement with the S-Boat class. started sailing the S-Boats in the late 1970s, and um, in 1983, was able to uh, purchase a boat called Surprise and worked on it to uh, rebuild it. And by 1984, um, five, uh, Surprise was um, in sailing condition. And from that point on, I, uh, I, every year um, for the next four years, I, I uh, did a little bit of restoration. So I started out with the first uh, eight frames from the and transom from that end, and then worked my way forward on the boat and rebuilt the whole boat. Um, by 1987, the boat was totally rebuilt, uh, including the deck and. Um, 70 frames, most of the keel um, or most of the dead um, timbers. The only timbers that were not done in the bottom of the boat at that time were the timbers that held the lead in. Mm -hmm. And subsequently in 2015, I dropped the uh, keel plank on both both ends and uh, redid that, those uh, timbers, and put a new keel plank. What are the materials? What what are the... Um, the, timbers. Um, the timbers are made of white oak, mm-hmm. uh, specified white oak. Um, the uh, deadwood is um, is um, uh, fir, uh, Douglas fir, and um, the uh, uh, the the frames are all white oak, mm-hmm. white oak frames. And what what's the ballast? Ballast is made of uh, lead, um, thirty eight hundred pounds of of lead in the ballast, mm-hmm. approximately. Um, some boats have a little bit more lead. Some have a little less lead, depending on the years that they were built. But roughly, in that, it's an average. Um, the total boat weighs about uh, around 5,800 pounds without the mast. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, with the mast in it, probably around 6,000. Is that uh, those materials standard across yep. the fleet? Yes. So we tried it. Um, one of the things about the S-boat, um, we're coming up to our 100th anniversary next year, 2019. We're one of the oldest sailing racing fleets in the United States. But that said, we are still we still have the original materials. So we're using um, Sitka spruce spars, mm -hmm. um, all wood spars, um, still to the same design that Hersoft built them in. Um, the hulls are all wood, um, the cedar, white cedar on oak planking. Um, and then um, the trim is either, um, depending on how it was specified in the original build, it's either uh, mahogany, oak, white oak, or uh, teak. Mm -hmm. I had one of the four original teak boats that were built. It was wow. very expensive at that time. So Surprise was uh, commissioned in 1930, and... Her price point was $3,100, which was uh, very expensive. I'm sorry, $4,100, $4,100, sorry. You, know, you mentioned how you acquired the boat. What are some of the challenges in maintaining that uh, particular boat, or is it pretty much like all wood boats? It's pretty much like all wood boats. I would say that the challenge, um, I would say when I started racing in the 70s and 80s, um, most of us were were DYI uh Mm -hmm. maintenance guys you know we we liked our boats to look nice some guys had a little bit more time and were or a little more skill and got them right. looking nicer um that was a so there was certain bars set at, in the class and sort of a, a um you know a badge of honor yeah to um you know have your boat looking the best it can and some guys really spent a lot of time doing that so maintenance wise um I look at a wooden boat, it's almost the same maintenance, um, taking away the varnish aspect, but almost the same maintenance as a fiberglass boat. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you still have to, um, you still have to sand and paint the bottom. Mm -hmm. You still have to sand and paint the bottom of a fiberglass boat. Um, fiberglass boats, as they go, get older, they leak. Um, wooden boats, you know, depending on their age and, and their how they've been restored, um, my boat leaks very little. I mean, I, I don't even, um, at this point, um, I do have an automatic pump on it for the winter time, but most of the winter that that pump is off. And she stays in the water. And she stays in the water all yeah. year. So in, I might have, at the end of the season, I might have about six inches of water in the bilge, mm. but that's about it. When you leave her in the water, is it rig in? Um, no, I take the rig out. You do? Yeah. Um, I have a friend who, um, Baltic Boat Works. Um, his name is Jens Lang. And he, uh, since he started his business, or since he was graduated from Iris, I've known him for the last nine years. And um, in, I don't say in trade, but as part of my maintenance program, he helps me take care of the mass and the, and the spars. Right. So that's his that's his contribution, whereas other crew bring beer and you know and <laughs> yeah. sandwiches and um, and and put time in on the boat right. like as far as sanding the bottom and things like that. I try to get everybody isn't on the surprise campaign. The crews the crews always have been very involved. I've, yeah. I've had um, young crews that are are willing to work and put the time in, and I'm willing to work and put the time in with them. So they're so, not rock stars that just show no, up. No, they're not. I, I very rarely have rock stars. I, um, I have 
graduated rock stars <laughs> who've gone on to other vessels and, right. and done really well, um, you know, 12-meter classes. Um, you know, a lot of people have sailed on Surprise and as early in their careers and then went on to other things. So, hmm. Did I see you go out in early November with Chuck from North Sales? Yes. I did, yeah. Actually, um, it was more like November 17th. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah. I, well, I... I, I saw you leave the slip, and then right. I, I later I think on Instagram I saw Chuck's pictures, and I put two and two together. Right. So you yeah, were... it was uh, we did two sales, one in um, uh, early late October in November, and one in um, in around the fifteenth of November, fifteenth, sixteenth, something. I have to check my book, but it, it was in that vicinity. Um, but yes, um, so um, uh, North Sales has been very. Um, Aggressive, not aggressive, but they have been very helpful in uh, helping me um, decide what sail I should build or and um, how I should, um, you know, what would be the best for the boat. Um, so much so that the three top people at North, um, Mike Topa, uh, Kimo Worthington, and uh, Chuck Allen, mm-hmm. um, were the was the team that helped me decide that so I was very um, grateful to have that I've never had any any anybody aboard with that kind of experience and mm-hmm. um, and um, you know background and I learned a lot mm-hmm. even though I've been sailing all, all my life you know yeah I still learned a lot so um, and these guys are these guys are real pros um, and and so I've decided to go with um, with North, uh, I'm building a new set of sails after a 10-year hiatus. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm in the class. I, I, I am the, what they call the fleet captain or commodore of the Narragansett Bay fleet. But um, I'm not one of those, the guys that will buy sails every every mm. year, which is allowed in our class. But, you know, I just, I don't have the, you know, um, the, the, financing to do that right does the class restrict you on the type of material yes um, sales yeah we're, we're restricted to uh, dacron which is an older material um originally the boats were outfitted with canvas mm-hmm. um cotton actually um and the cotton was resonated then right after world war ii i think um the the changeover happened to uh, dacron dacron came in as a new sail material mm-hmm when you, when you raced, are they, do the S-boats stick mainly to racing against each other or yes. within the classics? Yeah, we, we race, um, I would say 85% of the time we race, we're racing at one design. Mm-hmm. So our schedules and our, our um, whether we're racing the Newport Yacht Club or in a big regatta, mm-hmm. we're racing against uh, our own boats. You know. How many boats are in the, the local fleet? Local fleet fleet um, right now has uh, fifteen or actually seventeen boats that are on the uh, can get on the starting line. And how many fleets are there? There are three fleets: one in um, Lochmont, Western Long Island, and uh, one in Quisset Harbor, in, oh, yeah. up in uh, Cape Cod. That's a beautiful harbor. Yeah. You have a hundredth anniversary coming up, and I read that there was a book coming out. Yes. At least on your website, they yes. make mention of a book. Right. Um, Corey Silken and his dad Alan Silken, uh, Alan actually wrote the boat book, 
and Corey has provided the photographs for that book, and that book is uh, soon to be published. Um, the money has been raised to publish that book, and it'll be a full-color book, and we'll stories and um, history is from Alan Silken and mm -hmm. the photographs are from Corey. And this is all part of your 100th anniversary? Correct. Yep. Yep. What other events are planned for that? We, uh, well, let me segue um, last summer we were also um, interviewed by um, um, public station um, Public Radio. Public Radio yep. and uh, Public Broadcasting came down and did an out they're planning to do an hour-long story on sailing in Newport. Oh, wow. Which um, we had their cameramen and people on the uh, at a start on a Tuesday night with 10 S-boats out there. So um, look for us at pbs.org. Um, probably, I think they said originally, they said um, in uh, March, but I think now it's going to be more like June. Oh, that'll be nice. So, so yeah, and um, how much time we have on there. But there was a lot of... Uh, Interview sessions. They were here for two days. They mm -hmm. interviewed a lot of people at uh, Newport Yacht Club. Was mm -hmm. featured, and the club asked the S class to um, kind of go out and be their their front runner as far as racing and sailing. And I'm sorry, your your other question. You, oh, what other events? Oh, the other events. That's yeah. It. Yeah. So the other the other events that is going to be Lach, the start of Lochmart Race Week. Yep. So we'll have the first weekend in Lochmart Race Week and the last weekend, mm -hmm. in uh, we'll be racing those two weekends with the S class. Um, so I think the lot what they call Lochmart Race Week down mm -hmm. there is going to be nine days, and we'll we'll have um, we'll be involved in four of those nine days. And then you got to get there and back. Correct. Um, so there's going to be a big delivery schedule. Uh, some people are going by water. Yep. Uh, some people are going by land, uh, by trailers. And um, there are enough boat, S-boat trailers. We have about 10 or 11 of them to mm -hmm. transport a number of boats down by land. Um, personally, right now, I'm leaning towards uh, towing my boat down with my wife's uh, trawler, uh, the Scarlet. Oh, that's a good idea. Yep. And we're going to put up our crew on, on Scarlet. She's a 36-foot Penobscot Bay, um, you know, wooden trawler. So Because S-boats don't have any auxiliary power, do they? Uh, no, they don't carry any auxiliary power. We do we do have uh, ability to put a, like a, up to, let's say, a four or five horsepower, you know, um, engine off the transom with, mm -hmm. um, with a, um, like a bracket, bracket yep. Yep, and a removable bracket. And uh, that gives us about, depending on how much gas you're carrying, and you can have maybe like a um, two or three hour range mm. with that. Um, but primarily the boats sail, and we sail on very little wind, so mm -hmm. it's a very good sailing boat. Um, and testament to that is, is a lot of the regattas we've won in PHRF and around the island. Oh, you know, really? Oh, you know. so you do get involved with other boats? Yeah. Uh, um, like I said, we about. 85, 90% of our, our racing is done uh, one design, but 10% mm -hmm. is done, at least on the surprise campaign. Uh, this year we were in the Sail for Hope yep. race. We had, I think there were uh, 40 boats um, registered. Um, there were a number of classes. We were in our class two. We took second in class division two. But um, in around the island, we took third overall. Mm -hmm. So... You know, we beat quite a few other boats 
again, conditions being um, tides, um, we, yeah. you know, um, wind conditions were light and variable, uh, which um, bodes well for the S boat because it, uh, even though it being a full keel boat, it still it sails very well. It has a big main, right. smaller jib. It's very maneuverable. Um, so, I noticed just both from my experience in our store and, and my observations, there's a very diverse group of people that own S boats and historically have owned them. Just me, I've met you in a marine industry professional. I'm a retired school teacher and a current sitting U.S. senator. Um, are there others that uh, you have <laughs> this real widespread of Yeah, I mean, we, used, uh, we, uh, we do. We, uh, we have a retired um, 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 male, uh, we used to call him, you know, he was not a mailman, but he worked in the post office. Right. Um, you know, he, he, he restored his own boat and was very good at it. And uh, he also uh, teaches and coaches at um, Brown University um, rowing team. Oh, right. And uh, builds, uh, custom builds uh, shells, one-man and two-man shells that are coveted by uh, wow. you know, for Olympics. And he's had uh, several of his students go to the Olympics. So so here's a gentleman that has made his career as a postal worker, yeah. let's say. I'm not that any job is um there's no no shame in any job you know right. um so uh but yeah we've had we have a very wide range of yeah i was just people. impressed at the diversity mm -hmm. of the backgrounds from which people yeah it's not all um it's we 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 were i, I would say that was a badge of badge of honor years ago with the class um it was made up more of that mm. that type of people mm -hmm. more and less uh very few or let's say affluent right today we have more probably right now we've had the most number of people from new york yacht club in our class which is saying what's happening is that people are getting an interest in the boats they see the boats out there sailing mm -hmm. um they are getting them and when they as stewards of the boats they are restoring them and they're using local um boat builders and kids from iris mm -hmm. are involved in um, shipwrights, and so that helps the economy. I mean, right. it's uh, and not only that, but it, it revives a, a um, an old craft, an old skill, yeah, right? Old skill. And so, um, you know, where that wasn't happening when I was when I bought the boat, you know, in the 1980s, it was like I said, it was more DIY. Um, when know. I first got into the the business or the mm -hmm. marine industry, um, there was a great man who's shop was near us and mm -hmm. his name was frank mccaffrey and right. i once heard him described as the s-boat doctor yes frank was uh a very he was he and i met in 1986 um for the first time he came up to see what i was doing um and i i met him with a gentleman by the name of jim titus and frank started his shop here in newport um he became sort of like the go-to person uh, for S boats, um, again, we were we 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 were just uncovering plans from MIT and um, trying to decipher what Hershoff had had designed and why he designed certain things in certain ways, mm -hmm. um, even to the point where his, you know the inside of the the uh, the uh, cabin has shelves and um, in strategic areas for support. So ah. Hershoff. Uh, um, 
not only was he practical, but he was also trying to save weight wherever he could. So if there was a function to something, it had to work right. in another way, not just as a... So the shelf not only served as a shelf, correct. but there was a structural Yeah, it served to it. Yeah, served to support the area of the main winch and things like that. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, it was very interesting. Very interesting when you start to decipher what, what he did. He was really, I, I call him the uh, Da Vinci of yacht design. There's nobody like him. Right. But, and, it, and I don't think there has been... You know, you could go through the list of, of great designers, uh, you know, Olin Stevens, um, Starling Burgess, uh, Ray Hunt. Um, these are great men, but um, Harrisoff really had it over them, you mm -hmm. know, and he was, so he, this was just one of his boats that he designed. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there anyone today that you, unfortunately Frank has passed, mm -hmm. is there anyone that you feel sort of fulfills that role um is there any one person or is it a lot I, of folks just doing your own thing i think i think there are several people that have um let's say come up to that level mm -hmm. uh, with frank the one thing with frank was that um one he was he had his own s boat so he's focused on s boats um i would say that the, the unique thing about frank was that he was very approachable mm-hmm and um, you could, you, as a boat owner, you didn't feel um, pushed into a corner. You know, like, oh, I have to spend so much. He would, he would work it out with you, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, I think that, would, that's, that makes him, you know, in a different class. Um, I think there are several people today that are, from the skill standpoint, and... and um, that and I'm being very careful about this because I have <laughs> yeah I know several people in the class and I don't want to favor no, no, one one fine. person so but um, there are there I think anybody that's working on these things whether it's uh, East Bay East East Passage um, or um, Baltic Boat Works or Narragansett Shipwrights mm -hmm. all of those all those guys have have more are more than capable of of bringing a boat and, and making it right. You know, so. And as you're a sort of a tight-knit group, I imagine there's a lot of sharing of, of knowledge. It's not... There is. Yeah. Um, yes, there is a lot of... Um, we we tend to... Um, I tend to disseminate a lot of information for, um, you know, hi historical mm. information because I've been in the class for so long. Uh, there's, a couple, there's a couple other gentlemen. Uh, Bob Hutchinson is, is very well-versed in that, and so is... Um, Jeff Davis, mm -hmm. uh, Mike McCaffrey also. We, from a historical standpoint, care. And my mantra is really, you know, um, what when I'm thinking about doing something with the S-Class or if someone comes to me with a boat problem or, you know, is that boat, I ask myself, is that going to mean, are we going to get another boat on the line? Mm -hmm. and, it, and if it doesn't add up to that, I tend not to. Right, you know, um, you know, let's say go in that direction. But if it does, my goal is to keep as many boats floating and save and save as many boats as we can. Right. There are, how many were built originally? The original bills out of Harishoff were ninety six, and two out of two of those boats were um, part of the Navy um, during World War Two. They built uh, boats, uh, uh, two S boats, or I think just before World War II, for 
for the uh, with the officers, and they they built uh, I suppose it's called can do and will do. Oh, those are great names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, how many are still alive today? Uh, so I I estimate let's say hulls and lead lead keels um, in the in the high high sixties. High sixties. Yeah. Um, right now, um, Bill Simmons and I. Bill is the uh, commodore of the Western Long Island uh, Sound Fleet, and he, we have a list of forty-five boats that we're sending information to. So that means those forty-five boats are are floating and sailing. And that's inclusive of your group. That's inclusive yeah. of everything. Okay. So, based on that number. Um, I know there are probably there are around seven or eight boats just in the Narragansett Bay area that are on the hard and and are either in different shape or condition mm-hmm. of of um, and with potential with to... potential. In other words, if you have a lead, you can restore a boat. Right. So if you have the lead, any, anything else up from that point, the dead wood, you mm-hmm. know, all of that is replaceable and can be. And uh, then you have a lead, then you have a whole number, then mm-hmm. that boat has a Provence, you know. Right. So, and if it gets rebuilt to the plan, the 1924 plan that we have, then then that is a bona fide S boat. Are there Harishoff uh, S boat? Right. Yep. Are there regulations or rules that dictate that the fittings have to be bronze and or um, can it when when you're building? Up yeah, from a keel. Can it be modern, more modern materials? Um, we we have not held in our bylaws. Every every Quisset has the same bylaws that we have in our bylaws. We have not specified on on hardware that you have to mm-hmm. have bronze hardware. But I will say most of the boats do. Mm-hmm. So the people who are buying these boats are trying are buying them not only. They're buying them for the racing and sailing value, but also for the aesthetic value. And the historic. And the historic. Yeah. So. I was doing a little research, and I found a short list of famous beyond our borders, mm-hmm. S-boat owners. One was Charles Francis Adams, who was a writer, politician. He was the son of President John Quincy Adams and the grandson of President John Adams. Mm-hmm. Theodore Roosevelt, Jr., yep. Everett Pearson, and this one surprised me, uh, General George Patton. His boat was Spindrift, and he had it from 1931 to 1935. It, what I read said he never set foot on it, but his wife raced it. Right, right. Those are that was a surprise to me. Right. Um, there were also a couple more. Um, you have um, Bobby Reed, who's um, Kenny Reed and and Brad Reed, um, the sons of Bob Reed, right. who are international sailors and well known today. They grew up on the S boat, so his boat was named Nepenthe in the uh, 1960s. Wow. Um, uh, another f- famous person would have been um, John Nicholas Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, he owned an S boat. And uh, Arthur Godfrey, I don't know if you. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was a radio um, yeah. host, a New York radio host. He, he also owned a. Um, what you brought this book? What's this is an official registry? It's a, a registry. So this was our our seventy fifth anniversary in, uh, from nineteen nineteen to nineteen ninety four, and um, we we have we're we're continuing to use this and update it. 
um, it's not complete yet to this this period of time for the hundredth. Um, we we had other projects we were working on, right? So, um, but this book um, we can pretty much go back and and from whole if you have a whole number or if you have a name of a boat or a person's name that owned an S boat, we can find mm-hmm. the the history on that. So each one of those boats is listed in here. Um, each each um, every boat that is has that we believe um, was built, including um, um, the seven Lawley boats that were built after the Harrishoff stopped manufacturing. Oh, wow. So is this 1994 book the most recent edition? Yes, and, this is it. Um, will there be? I know you're doing a the hundredth anniversary book. Will that information be included in it? Um, the hundredth anniversary book is more Just, of a story um, mm-hmm. about the boats themselves. So they're about the families, the people who own them um, in the past. Um, so that, that that's sort of different from where this is a a register where we can actually look the history of the boat. And where it went, you know, it might have started off in Narragansett Bay, then went to New York, or it might have started off in Sawanica mm-hmm. Yacht Club, and then came up here, came up north, or, or there are seven original boats that went that were built just for Coisset on the mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Buzzards Bay. So they, some of those those boats had, um, they called um, uh, watertight cockpits, and um, so they had a sliding hatch. Mm-hmm. In a watertight cockpit, which instead of having the seats, they had the seats were very low, and the the cockpit um, board came right up to the deck. So the bottom of the cockpit was level with the deck, so it could oh. drain. Ah, and how, how? What's the configuration of? The- same same configuration. Uh, the combings were a little higher, slightly mm-hmm. higher, but same configuration uh, boat wise. It was just it was made so that. On Buzz's Bay, you have a um, most of the time you have a good chop, right? You know, four to five feet. Yeah. And uh, on an S boat with only the freeboard in the middle of about twenty inches. Oh, the other person we forgot to um, mention that that is famous. I don't know if you talked about him. Was uh, Senator Whitehouse? Um, yeah, I think he, you, I, I think I you mentioned. noticed he was a local right. owner. Mm-hmm. And um, he's active. I take it. Correct. So in that year, um, his boat was built. Which year was this? In 1936. So there's, an in, there's two interesting um, stories. One is um, in 1936, um, Osprey was built, and um, the um, Sheldon's uh, grandfather um, started racing it with his sons, but eventually he didn't want, from the story that I was told, he did not want to race with his sons anymore, so he chartered Surprise, which was my boat. Mm-hmm. So he raced against his sons in Surprise while they, the two of them, uh, Sheldon's father and uncle, were racing Osprey. So after that, um, so they owned it from 1936. They originally owned it from 1936 to 1940, and the boys uh, went to war. Um, Sheldon's uncle was lost at sea. Uh, he was a he was a Navy um, pilot, and he was shot down and lost at sea. And the family stopped sailing, or at least stopped sailing S boats. Um, in 1944, uh, the boat's name went to Tarantella. It was, then it was owned by John Nicholas Brown, 
and uh, then because it went to a different number of different owners until 1989 when um, Mike McCaffrey found it in a barn in Taunton, Massachusetts and renamed a it. A barn find. Yeah, barn find. <laughs> Amazing. So uh, named it it's Osprey. not just for cars and motorcycles. Right. Brilliant. So you, you going through this um, um, book, you can, um, you know, find many, many stories that just mm. through the history. And his, on the back page of that, um, happens to be Halsey, Halsey Harrisoff, who's um, still uh, with us today. Um, he's the um, president and uh, the the owner of um, um, the Harrisoff Marine Museum. Right, yep. And his boat uh, was Coquina, and he purchased that um, um, in 1960 from a, uh, a a priest. And all we know about that priest is his name is Father Richards. Oh wow! <laughs> so that's what's in the um, and Father Richards owned, only owned it for I think he owned it for three or four years from '54 to '59, and in 1960 Halsey, Halsey brought it. Uh, from them, there were two two priests that owned it. That's a brilliant register. Um, how many of these are out there? I'm sorry, I'm geeking th- out a bit. I'm a, yeah, a history that, major. Yeah, no, we um, we published about uh, uh, 200 of these, 250, and every one of them uh, either were sold or given out. They're all in the hands of and, owners. Yeah, they're all in the hands of owners or in, in a library. Um, unfortunately, we have not um, republished this boat uh, book. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, it was very expensive. Um, I think just this version version alone was one hundred twenty five dollars. Right. And back in nineteen ninety four, that was <laughs> a lot of money to cough up for Is a book. Is all this information compiled digitally somewhere? Um, I believe that I believe that um, Ken Upham, the original, the um, our the author of this book, um, has a lot of this information on. Digitize. I'm not sure how much he has, mm-hmm. but um, you know, um, he has a lot of it digitized. Coming up to the hundredth um, anniversary, yeah. it will be uh, quite an event. I think we'll have between right now. I know that um, Bill Simmons down in Lochman has 27 boats that are registered mm-hmm. for racing down there next year. Based on that, um, I feel our count will be probably over 30. Mm-hmm. You know, um, by the time we get everybody together. So you talk about here and then Larchmont. I, well, first I, we're going to go to Larchmont yep. in July, and then we'll come up here August uh, 16th, 17th, and 18th. And we'll sail. We'll race out of Sail Newport, mm-hmm. and then we will um, join the the following week. We'll um, join the Harrisoff Rendezvous. So we'll we will do a feeder race on a Friday. Um, which is that date, the 23rd, and the 24th we'll race at Hershoff with the Hershoff Rendezvous, and there will be a number That'll be up in Bristol. Bristol. There'll mm-hmm. be a number of classic yachts. And right now we're working on a plan to stay there for the Sunday mm-hmm. and, and finish our racing there on Sunday. In addition to all the underwater racing and activities, are there shoreside? There'll be um, do, there'll events. be after parties at these mm-hmm. events, and there'll be cookouts and um, you know the clam bake. Um, oh, right. That will be in and around. Um, so yes, the public is invited, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I'm working with um, the Harris Marine Museum and uh, Dave Ford, 
who is the chairman um, of the museum, and he we want to get you know the mayor involved, mayor of uh, Bristol, and mm-hmm. so that you know we it's well publicized and right. um, you know as as an event. And as you mentioned, Salem Newport and and up in Bristol, if someone's really an enthusiast or they want to go and look at them, will they all be sort of lined up at the yeah, dock? We'll, accessible? Uh, yeah, at Salem Newport, um, there's a dock over there called the Aloffsons Pier. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brad Reed has given us um, space over there to display the boats. And we'll have, we. my goal is to have all, if we have 28 or 30, to have them all there when we have our Saturday night party and that right. weekend you know so that the public can come and view them and see them and hopefully we can get them dressed out and yeah um you know so the pressure's on to make everything look in bristol fashion yes uh i am uh, in that process right now although uh, a little bit wounded <laughs> but um, i do have a good crew that's helping me out um so we're, we're putting that together you mentioned you, you just hauled out but it's a short haul mm-hmm. and you you, you best for the boat in in the water during the winter. Yep. Does everyone else follow that pretty much that same protocol? No, uh, not up here. I think down in Lachmont they do that. You know, with um, they Protected. say there's there's no um, global warming, but yeah. we have less ice every year. Um, that I, you know, say the winters are not they're severe in some cases, but not as severe as they they used to be um, um, as far as a freeze is mm-hmm. concerned. Um, so I think it, more and more, depending on if people find the right area, I mean, it's a lot, um, it's better for the boats in my case, um, economically it's, it's, uh, you know, maybe a third of the price to store the boat in the right. water as it is to put it up on land. Mm-hmm. You know? So makes sense. Are you aware of anyone who, you talked about that barn find before, anyone mm-hmm. who's got a hold of one and it's in the process of bringing it back from what your 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 keel only yeah scenario. Um, there is a boat up in um um are you following that project yeah we are following that project and i'm sorry to say i i, I wish i had that at the tip of my tongue um uh the boat is up in uh, massachusetts up in northern massachusetts and it's um um, in pre- presently in that kind of condition and being restored. Oh, that's nice. So um, someone's taking it to heart. Yeah, um, the owner lives in um, um, the owner lives in Jamestown, and uh, that project's with a ship right up. up oh, good. Up north there, so it's in so. capable hands. Yes. Oh, yep. Good. Yep. And that they'll be joining a fleet. Uh, hopefully, downtown? hopefully they will. Um, I know that the the project is is taking longer than they they anticipated mm. which always happens right and but hopefully they will so now if people want to follow this follow the events or mm-hmm. be reminded what what's the best way you know social media or email yeah or, so we have uh, uh two social we don't do twitter but we do that's uh, probably best yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we do uh instagram and it's um at harishoff underscore small s underscore class okay so I'll Harish, put that link up in the yeah Harishoff S class, and then we do have a website that is is up. It's it has some current information. It's not as as current as our our other website, but it's called um, sclass.org. So, and the um, um, 
the Instagram is also connected to a new website, which mm-hmm. we have all three uh, fleets on. So the sclass.org, um, I'm sorry, nbsclass.org, Narragansett Bay, um, sclass.org is, is the one just for Narragansett Bay. Mm-hmm. And then the sclass.org is our new website, which is encompasses Narragansett Bay, Long Island Sound, and Quisset. Yep. So, and we have we're limited information on there. Uh, tell us about the dates. Uh, give some information about each um, each venue. How long has your Instagram account been in in play? We started it just before the boat show um, this past year, and right now, according to our director, my director of uh, promotions, she says to me that we'll be over three thousand followers. Wow. Um, by um, this the end of this month. So and are other Espo uh, owners and sailors? Do they con- contribute to it? Yes, yeah. and we want as much uh, as many people to contribute mm-hmm. to it as possible. Because um, that's a that, that that's only a few months, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of it is unf- <laughs> let's say unfortunately or whatever. A lot of it is me. She's she's because uh, uh, she keeps she's very uh, tenacious about. You know, getting me to post something. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't post anything really. I'm not. Um, I'm not a big. Um, I'm not a big tech guy. So, um, but what I'll do is I'll uh, I'll, you know, film something or take a shot of something that we're doing that's relevant mm-hmm. and or talk about something and then she'll post it, and right. edit it, and post it. So, she she's she's done a great job, Meredith Campbell. Uh, she's really has knocked it out of the park, and that side. Um, uh, the other things, you know, they'll come along and, you know, again, we're a volunteer, you know, it's a volunteer group. Right. You know? <laughs> so it's not like we're, we're the America's Cup, you know, no. campaign. But, but that said, uh, a lot of these guys have taken it uh, very seriously. I mean, mm-hmm. myself included, you know, um, you know, getting the boat in condition, getting the sails done, um, um, you know, all of that. So. Here's another little what's story. Um, yeah, what's that? This is a this is a boat. Um, so, back in nineteen um, sixty four, was a boat called Bragu. Um, it was um, it was the first. This boat won the Bermuda race in um, in June of nineteen sixty four, and it was made up of all S boat sailors. You know, so these group of S boat. So it's not an S boat. Nope. But the crew. The crew is all S boat. So right. um, in this photograph, which is, um, I'd like, um, maybe we'll post this on the Instagram account. Um, we have uh, uh, Dr. Ernest McVeigh, Jeff Spranger. Jeff just I Jeff was a Jeff. great yeah, yeah great guy. He just passed away. Milt Ernstoff, another great um, Bud Hunt. Again, these are in my world in my era these are legends you know mm-hmm. um bobby reed uh george levy and alden walls so the this is this would be the the uh the nucleus of the s-class back in the 60s and uh the fact that these six guys did this accomplish this thing as you know they're not none of them were what we would consider pros mm-hmm. you know they were and what year was that that they won 64 the 64 yep they were just very good weekend, mm-hmm. you know, sailors, and um, they they had a lot of uh, 
uh, tenacity to go out there and do that. And um, they beat a, a fleet of, um, I would say, very competitive vessels. You know, right. um, so it's it it that that history is carries out throughout the class. You know, I mm-hmm. think um, you asked me earlier. You know, what kind of people you know were you know made up. You know what what built what is the class yeah. you know, made up of so, and I always like to tell this story. Um, you know, um, there are other stories like it, uh, and it's just you know I'm proud to be part of that heritage. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of the other things that's in a local area we have a, a thing called the Twenty Hundred Club. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that. Yes, right. So Twenty Hundred Club. A lot of people that race and sail in it today, it's mostly long-distance racing. They have no idea that actually that was started by the S-Class. Really? Yeah. So, um, and a um, gentleman by the name of Dr. Um, Dr. Ty Cobb and uh, Alden Walls, Ty Cobb, and a couple other guys, they left uh, Rhode Island Yacht Club um, one afternoon and going to go sailing to Block Island. Uh, Ty Cobb was the only one uh, carrying a radio on board. Um, and uh, as they were clearing Point Judith, he decided, well, it's, you know, it's getting dark, and I should probably tell Point Judith, the Coast Guard, that we're out here. So mm. he did. You know, he says there were four or five boats out here racing. And um, so the Coast Guard said, well, what if, what if those S boats doing out in open water yeah. at this time in, in the evening or at night. And so uh, Dr. Cobb was kind of a, I guess he met, I didn't know him personally, but from the stories I've heard over the years, he's pretty quick witted and he uh, looked at his watch and said, Oh, it's eight o'clock. So he says, Well, this is the 2000 Club out of Rhode Island Yacht Club. Oh, that's Ra- the origin of the name. Ra- racing to, <laughs> racing to um, Block Island. Yeah. Sort of like what we, what another race is that was uh, developed here around this area or in, in the Buzzards Bay area called Fagawi. You know? Right, I've heard of that, yes. So, but the 2000 Club was... I didn't know that was the origin of that name. Yep. Yeah, um, the twenty hundred club is that it was eight o'clock and now you're out at that or they were out at night. Do you have running lights on the boat? Um, I do. Um, mm-hmm. I so a lot of the S boats were outfitted with per you know, f- you know, over the years with um, permanent running lights, mm-hmm. where they used to have a small battery inside. And mm-hmm. when I raced on a boat called Micmac in the seventies, you know, we had running lights because we would leave work, you know, at on a Friday night, and ha- race would be in Newport, race would be in Tiverton, right? Race would be in East Greenwich, and we would have to race or sail there the night before, and inevitably, we were night sailing, and right. that's one of the greatest things I learned um, is how to navigate. You know, no GPS, right. just compass through the fog, sometimes at night. Yeah, um, compass and dead reckoning. You know, and. Uh, you know, flashlight on the sail. Flashlight on the long. sail. Um, yeah, because those running lights are pretty low to the water. Right. And if you saw a tank, a tanker, or a tugboat coming, um, you want to make sure that they knew at least you were there. You're not going to get out of their way. I, I mean, they're not going to get out of your way. Yeah. But at least they know that you're out there. So. I imagine if first they're low to the water, but then you induce some heel. Yeah, and then you don't see you that. You don't other, see it at all. Yeah, you don't see that other light. You see. 
you see the red light, right? But a starboard light, maybe. If you are healing, it's it, yeah. You just now you talked about your crew. Do you the, the other boats that you sail against? What are their crew compositions like? Are they? It's different. A, I think sometimes it's family. Mm-hmm. Um, um, a lot of family. Um, I know Jeff Davis is, is notorious for that. So. Bring his kids along, sure. his daughters, yeah. uh, no matter if they want to be there or not. Right. <laughs> uh, I used to do that with my daughters, um, but they thanked me for it many years <laughs> later. Almost, almost, the stories are different. You know, back then it was like, oh my God, my father made me go racing. Do you <laughs> find that because of the boat, that the nature of the boat, that if it's not family, it attracts a certain type of individual? Maybe yeah. A- again, I think I think every every individual that is bought into the boat is bought into it for their reason. Mm-hmm. Um, either it's oh, I love racing these boats, and that's all they do. Mm-hmm. The boat gets buffed up and slicked out as much as possible, and new sails, and it'll sit on the mooring and 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 only go racing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like uh, surprise. I know we keep a log of this because I, I like to make sure the money I'm putting into it, I, I get out or at least can justify it in my own mind. <laughs> uh, but we left the mooring last year 62 times. That's well, a lot. That's 60 more times than I did. Yeah. So we were out there. So that doesn't mean we were racing every time. I mean, But you're out. But we're out. So half of that was probably from racing. Mm. The other half is just going out for sail, cruising, you know. Going out for you know taking uh, Nancy up to um, Castle Hill and back mm-hmm. you know with a you know you know bottle of wine and some some treats you know <laughs> so but yeah that's fun yeah, yeah. I, when I crewed on a wood boat it was a charter boat it was a classic fife mm-hmm. but when we went out on a on a day a sa- Saturday or Sunday where there was no charter we actually called it a fun sail right. I'm not sure why <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah no but the, the S boat is like having the right sails and and um you know making sure everything's running right um it's not that big a deal to put the sail up and right um and it's very maneuverable mm-hmm. you know to i keep it in the harbor here at newport and the harbor's pretty crowded and yet um i never i really use an engine to get into my mooring for mm-hmm. any any reason um, when you went out, when I saw you on that no, early November sail, yeah. did you sail out of that slip? Yes. You did? Yep. Yeah. And we sailed back in. Right. So, um, you know, I mean, it's... Um, it was pretty calm in the basin that morning. Too. Yeah. And I, I feel, sometimes I feel more comfortable sailing a boat, the boat in and out of a slip than I do motoring it. You know? Right. I, I, um, um, you certainly have to plan further ahead. Right. And, but there's a lot of... The boat is like, it's a full keel boat, so it has a lot of glide. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're under power, let's say under um, under engine, if you had a small engine, and you have to really maneuver the boat in reverse and forward and um, because you can lose way or or be overpowered mm-hmm. at the dock very easily. Have too Where, much way as you right. approach the dock. Yeah. But under sail, like you can, my timing can be such that now the sails are slowing me down mm-hmm. they're still up until we get to that to that dock then we then we'll drop them you right. know and as long as they they're running right you know they come down nice mm-hmm. and uh you know then then i'm good you know um so it's 
it's like driving an old Maserati or something, you know, mm-hmm. where it's so well tuned and so um, so sensitive that um, it makes those things that type of sailing easier, you know. And it tack like the boat has a self-tacking jib, so there, so I can go out by myself, you mm-hmm. know, and sail the boat. And I have running backstays, but those I can control from the cockpit. Mm. And quite often, you'll see Sheldon Whitehouse, our senator, mm. out there during the summers. And when you see Osprey in the distance, most likely it's Sheldon by himself. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Taking time out. <laughs> yeah, good for him. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's uh, and he, you know, that means he's sailing that boat off the mooring by himself mm. and landing it on the mooring by himself, which is, that's more of a challenge, you know. And the sails are fairly traditional in, in how they're attached. It's not roller furling. Nope. No, no, it's, they so have to come down. You have to come down the old-fashioned yeah. way. Right. So, in an approach of a morning, you before you get to the morning, you want to clear that foredeck. So, you're timing yourself. <clears throat> Either you're on a, a slight reach or coming down when mm. where you can turn up into the wind, but you don't have this the jib up. Right. Um, the boat will not maneuver well without that jib. You know, it's um, she doesn't like to tack over. It helps her but, around. Yeah, yeah, that jib really is like a. It it even though it's small, it's a very important part of the the sail plan. Hmm. So is that due to the hull shape or it's due, due to the, the positioning the, of the mast? The, the positioning of the mast, the balance of the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other thing that's unique about the S boat is its curved mast. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, even the 12 meters didn't start doing that till the early 1980s. Wow. Um, actually, yeah, uh, yeah, like around 1980. So Harshoff knew to induce that rake. He back then. he he created a rig that was, uh, to this day, even the the pros look at it and go, you know, it's complicated, mm. you know, and it's not easy to tune that rig because there's so many different things happening to it. Uh, testimony to that was, you know, having uh, Chemo Worthington and Chuck Allen. Board mm-hmm. and then saying that to me, right? With me smiling a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've the last forty years I've been doing it. I still, <laughs> yeah, haven't perfected it. Yeah. A lot of work. Yeah. yeah, and we we try to you know we'll we'll hit a sweet spot like one summer and then we'll try to mark everything and try right. to get it. You know, we take measurements and we take a build a log and you know, yeah, and, and try to put everything back the way it was. But it won't. It's, it it's won't. something. Something changes. You know, maybe it was the penny we had uh, <laughs> underneath the mast up. <laughs> you know, oh God, we, we don't know. <laughs> but anyway. or if you take the rig out, maybe it sits different. It um, changes. Yeah, we we take the rig out, but yeah, putting the rig back in, you you pretty much start all over again. You know, wow. it's it's. It's really like tuning a guitar or a fine mm. instrument, you know, like getting everything just right, not over-tuned, not over-tight, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, that everything is balanced. Mm. And, you know, having a curved mass, also the, the spreaders, um, a lot of boats that with this size mast, with a 42-foot long mast, would, ha- would have like a double spreader. Mm-hmm. To support the upper portion, in this case, the S boat only has that one spreader. And what, how it's supported off the wind is that that, that spreader turns. Oh, it it rotates as the boat is sailing upwind. So downwind, the spreader spreaders are rotates per- fore and aft. Yeah, wow, they're perpendicular. As the boat sails upwind, mm-hmm. the 
the port spreader goes forward and the starboard spreader goes back. So now it's supporting the mast perpendicular. And the, the bracket that holds the spreader on the mast accommodates that movement? Yep. There's a, there's a collar, mm -hmm. and, that, and that, that spreader floats on that collar. Oh, that's fascinating. Is yeah. it made out of bronze? Or, bronze, yeah. yep. yep. And uh, if so, somebody ever breaks that collar, who, who fixes it? <laughs> Or who makes a new one? We have different yeah. different guys that we've made patterns, yeah. um, and we can fix them. Um, some guys now you could scan it and have it build out. Oh, okay. You know, um, you know. Uh, so the class doesn't dictate that it has to be out of bronze. Um, it, it could we, be stainless. Again, we don't. Yeah, it could be stainless. Um, it would probably be heavier mm. than than the bronze. Um, I did. I. A friend of mine did make one out of titanium one time. Oh, jeez. I don't know what the cost of that was, right. but I think he had his own shop and his own. <laughs> oh, my but God. But he, he made a, um, an S Now you're really getting away from the. Uh, right. So to me, it's like. The tradition. You know, if we're going to sail one design out there. Right. Um, you know, be as close is he as say, possible. Yeah. Is he say, is that saving us uh, a pound? And that mm. pound is a lot, you know, as you go up the mast. And, but I'm more of the. Yeah, if you have to have a Harkin block on something, and or a bronze block, because mm. a bronze block actually, cost-wise, is a lot more. Costs a lot more. Right. It depends on how much you guys. If you yeah. find one and you you're used, willing, yeah. used and willing to give me a deal. Yeah. But a lot of times they're more expensive than the than the Harkin blocks. Mm. And then the Harkin blocks, in some cases. Because of the load and stress, um, they don't last as long. But economically, they're, they're, it's a better, mm. better thing. They also have ball bearings versus some of the old bronze blocks. Don't shiv in a pin. Yeah. yeah. But we, we a lot of the bronze blocks today are retrofitted, so they mm -hmm. some a lot of them look old, mm -hmm. but they do have ball bearing shivs and things like that inside. So, wow. Yep. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. Anything else you want to share? Um, no, I think I'll think about this and maybe, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you want to do this again. Um, yeah, actually, months. maybe closer to the time or, yep. or, you know, as the event unfolds. Yep. Um, I did take a picture of your boat uh, when it was, oh, when I it, think, two days before you hauled it. Oh, really? <laughs> in, in the slip, if I share that. Yeah, yeah, you know. that's fine. Right. Cool. Cool.